From the Old City, a practical Torah commentary by Gutman Lodge. The Book of Deuteronomy, Sefer Devarim. Deuteronomy 16.18, Shoftim. Guard your gates. This week's portion of the Torah begins with the straightforward command, Judges and officers you shall appoint in all your gates, and they shall judge with righteous judgment. The obvious literal commandment obligates us to see to it that our cities are peaceful by ensuring there be justice and its enforcement wherever we live. The judges are to decide innocent or guilty, proper or improper, and the officers are to patrol the markets to make sure that the judges' decisions are carried out. This subject is so important to the Torah that there is an entire book of the Talmud, Sanhedrin, dedicated to the operation of these courts. But today these courts are, for the most part, powerless. Their decisions, at best, reach the Jews who choose to follow their dictates. So again we must ask, what is the Torah teaching us today? Literally, the gates the Torah is speaking of are the gates to the cities. The people would go out and come in through these gates. So in those days, the judges would sit there in order to be available for the community's needs. Metaphorically, each of us is a city unto ourselves. We each live in our own little city. Each of our cities has five gates. These are the gates of sight, hearing, touch, smell, and taste. It is through these gates that commerce enters our city, and it is through these gates that we and our merchandise go out into the world. Each resident who lives within a city consumes the merchandise that comes into his city, and it is he who sends his products out into the world. This resident is called the indweller, the one who dwells within and as each of us. This is the soul. The soul is always pure. It can never be blemished. It is an actual undiluted portion of God on high. Each morning upon waking, we say, the soul you have given me is pure. It is flawless. So how then is it that we need to do tshuva, to repent? How can there ever be sin? If the soul is really so pure, how can we do things that are so very impure? The soul is the life force within each of us. Actually, there is a soul in all things, even inanimate objects. But the soul within a plant is covered over, more hidden than the soul that is found in a stone. And the soul that gives life to animals is less covered than the soul that fills the plants. And the soul that enlivens people is hardly covered at all. It is a variable portion of the Holy One on the highest. How can there be sin? If indeed the soul is so pure, who is doing all these sins? The soul is limited or shaped, so to speak, by the particular vessel it has been sent to fill. It is colored, so to speak, according to the needs of the individual it is vivifying. But even though it is shaped and colored, still it remains pure. The soul looks out into the physical world through the body's physical eyes, much like an animal looks out of its body. When the body or mind of a person wants something, the soul gives the body the power it needs to go out into the world to get it. 
If the object that the body wants is clean, then even after going out into the world and getting it, the soul will remain unaffected, clean. If what the body demanded was unclean, and the soul allowed this uncleanliness to come to the body, then an unclean veil will be draped over the soul. The still pure soul then looks out at the creation through this unclean veil. The more uncleanliness the soul brings to the body, the thicker this unclean veil becomes. With each layer, it becomes more and more opaque until the soul is helplessly entangled in sin. Conversely, the more holy things the soul brings from the external world to the body, or that it sends out into the world, the purer will the soul's garments become. This is why holy people seem to shine. Their pure soul is streaming out into the world. What is the point of all this, and what does it have to do with judges and policemen? The Torah is telling us to place wise judges and strong policemen at each of our body's gates. Be careful, we are told. Do not let any criminals into your city. Make sure you let only holy merchandise in, and make sure the merchandise you are shipping out into the world from your individual city is pure and constructive. Then you will shine like sunlight streaming through a crystal glass. Do not go back. One of the many laws discussed in this week's portion applies to the king whom we are to set over us. This king is warned not to have too many horses for himself so that he will not return the people to Egypt in order to increase horses. For Hashem has said to you, you shall no longer return on this road again. The literal meaning of this law is just as it says. The king is not to desire too many horses. And the reason is just as it says. So Israel does not return to Egypt for horses. But this warning does not make a lot of sense. Would a king of Israel really crave such a large number of horses that he would return his nation to Egypt to get them? And this coming after what happened there? Also, why is he warned only against Egypt? Aren't horses also available other places too? Although certainly the literal warning is correct, it is much easier to understand this law from its allegorical perspective. Horses represent material wealth. Today, a wealthy person will have a lot of expensive cars. Obviously, a lot of horses are not needed for the king's use. Note that this law applies to horses for himself. A king might think it befitting his position to have a lot of horses to show off his wealth, even though they are not needed. He might even direct his people to return to Egypt to work to acquire these horses. We see her warning not to lead the Jewish people to slavery in order to accumulate things that are not even needed. This behavior is the sure path of returning to the slavery of Egypt. And lest you find this far-fetched, just look at the majority of people in America who work harder and harder to get things that they really do not even need. The king of Israel should conduct his affairs to prevent our return to Egypt, not to encourage it. Hashem warns, you shall no longer return on this road again. When we leave an evil place, 
we must be careful not to do anything that might lead us back there. We should not even look back at that place. When Abram's nephew Lot was fleeing the destruction of Sodom, his wife looked back and God turned her into a pillar of salt. When you realize that you're going the wrong direction, do not stop. Turn. If you stop there, you may get stuck in the wrong place. Often, it is not wise to back up. Instead, turn away from the wrong direction and keep on going. There is one dot com.